Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in New England. Um, another great week of speaking with so many of you guys. I know I have uh, a list of people that I will get in touch with this week, so uh, either through text or phone calls. And uh, one, actually, one of the few times I kind of thought of a topic that I wanted to bring up tonight Uh as opposed to just, you know, sitting down and saying, all right, what, what Julie asked me what I'm talking about. Uh, several people, uh, as a result of listening to the podcast, uh, reached out to me and, and extended their, their thanks to Julie uh, because they felt inspired um, to finally get into uh, psychotherapy. So good luck uh, on that journey. And that brings me to the topic that I want to discuss um, in this episode is psychotherapy. What is it? Uh, demystify it, uh, support it, encourage it, uh, answer any subsequent questions after the episodes. Um, so if you guys have been following the program, my, uh, training, my, my philosophy in, 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 doing therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, I primarily, I, I, again, doing full neuropsych evals, I'm doing 12 to 14 a week for the grace of God. Uh, but I do see a few individuals for uh, individual therapy. Um, I primarily treat uh, borderline personality disorder. But if we trace the the roots of of psychotherapy, um, let's just go with the with the basic premise of of Freud. I think that's 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 the most recognizable figure uh, when people think of of you know psychology. Even though, as I mentioned, psychology goes back to Socrates, Hippocrates, uh, back to the ancient Greeks. So, you know, Freud's model was. Uh, I think I've mentioned this in an episode. I have an autographed letter that I bought at an auction by by Freud. In in in, in no way am I a Freudian whatsoever, but I had no idea what the letter meant. But I bid on it, and that's on the behind my right side uh, of my desk in my office downtown in Duxbury. And I had it translated, and it was basically a letter t towards the end of his death. But I bought it out of respect because he was the first person to develop a psychological model or, or theory for treating. At that time, they focused primarily on what was called like neur neuroses. Um, as as um, so, it was really I bought it out of respect for him as, as a pioneer in the field. Uh, psychoanalysis is is definitely a a viable um, modality. Uh, generally, it takes about two years. Uh, you get into terms of like transference and countertransference and projection and you know the whole id ego superego. I don't agree with. I mean, there aren't these you know this devil on the left shoulder, the angel on the right, and this, you know, superego that kind of mediates between the, the primal drive and, you know, the, the, the self-concept. Um, uh, so, so, you know, I took courses in psychoanalysis, and I, I, there is no such thing as the unconscious. Um, we use the term a lot. Uh, all behavior is, is purposeful. Some things are just more automatic. 
but there is no such thing as the unconscious. We've been able to map out the structures of the brain. There is no spooky reservoir that that um, you know that 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 our psyche isn't in this ether. So they used to. Um, so Freud and Adler, um, it might have been Carl Jung. Uh, possibly Maslow, but I know it was definitely Freud, Jung, and and Adler would have what we call like the Wednesday night meetings in Vienna, and they were all psychiatrists. And you know, Freud was obviously the the guru, the go to person, until there was uh, a a chasm between Adler and Freud, where Adler took a different approach and said, "All behavior is purposeful." We choose what we do. We choose the way we think. We choose the way we act. And his son, Kurt Adler, I learned this from one of my professors uh, who had trained with Kurt Adler, that uh, he said cognitive behavioral therapy is the closest approximation of my father's work. And I I completely agree with that because Adler was all about choices and and social responsibility and and accountability for our choices. So, you know, psychotherapy, um, I think the, the, the pandemic has definitely brought a lot of people into the mental health system. Uh, parents were forced to spend, I mean, in, in the throngs of the pandemic, when, you know, d- different parts of the world, we were on, you know, quarantine. We, we, were, we weren't even seeing, you know, Julie's kids for a while. Uh, you know, the vaccine wasn't out. So it was, you know, it was a very spooky and murky time. And I think all of us can relate to that. There was a lot of misinformation, what to believe, who to believe. So you kind of heard on the news. Uh, but the mental health system started to become inundated and flooded and telehealth was here prior to the pandemic. It just wasn't reused as much, but um, it brought a lot of people, I think into the mental health system because people were spending time in, in solitude either with themselves because many places weren't open for stores or restaurants, whatnot. Uh, They began to realize maybe, you know, the hustle and bustle of life like came to a screeching halt and there was an opportunity uh, probably, you know, if you look, can something bad come out of, can something good come out of something bad? Yes. Uh, It's a matter of perspective. So I think a lot of people were with their spouses. A lot of people were with their significant others. People were with their children, people with extended family members. So a lot of people, I think, had the time to start to notice things uh, when you put life and, and, and you're working from home and other things on, on pause. So uh, I used to be able to text my colleagues, and I, and I, I am very grateful um, to the colleagues I work with that I refer people to for therapy, uh, the psychiatric prescribers that I work with. I mean, Julie does meds, but she also has a strong therapy background, and she incorporates therapy into a lot of her sessions and follow-up sessions, um, even though we disagree on, on you know, uh, theoretical modalities. So... Uh, I used to be able just to text, like sending Ashley for therapy, sending you so and so for 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 meds, and, and that just came to a screeching halt. So it's, um, which I think is is, is a good thing. Um, people, you know, people would invariably ask me, like, you know, when I first started private practice, can I see you for therapy? Because I ther- ther- psychotherapy is a relationship. 
it is a relationship, a professional relationship between an individual who uh, hopefully is is licensed and uh, hopefully educated and 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 well trained. Um, but it, it it is a professional relationship. It is not a friendship. And I would hear so many people tell me, like, I would always ask, like, what are your therapy goals? Well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what are you, what have you been diagnosed with? Huh. Not sure. Okay. What do you talk about every week? Well, she got a new cat. Um, how many week was? And I'd be like, all right, stop. So I would role play what cognitive therapy was and you know people were like you know oh can i see you i I don't know if it was because they liked what i was saying they thought i was good whatever uh so i started taking a lot of people on for therapy when i first started private practice but again uh as a neuropsychologist my primary focus is on doing diagnostics so it got to a point where i i can't control how long a neuropsych eval lasts especially when you get into like head injury or the neurodegenerative disorders they could take a little longer so you know very oppositional uh, uh children adolescents but it became um it just didn't sit well with me uh just in terms of like my uh belief system my philosophy where i'm texting people hey running five minutes late running 15 minutes late hey got to see you next week so i have significantly reduced my therapy caseload but one of the things that's really important is in therapy as a patient if you or, or even if you have a family member it's really important that there is not a don't perceive it as a power differential. It should be a collaborative relationship where you're working. You, you need to know what the end result is supposed to look like. And if I were to take somebody out for therapy, I ask them, first of all, I've said this ad nauseum. I think therapy and meds without testing is like surgery without an x-ray. I, would, I personally will not see anybody for therapy unless I have done a full neuropsych development because when you get into the Rorschach, the MMPI, the Milan scales, the thematic apperception tests, it just gives you so much information that you could never get on a weekly 45-minute to an hour session. And it, 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 it's different in the world of private practice and in, in the world of uh, – so, I'll, you know, as I'm doing like my structured diagnostic clinical interview, I'll ask people, when was the first time you were in therapy? And then what a lot of people tend to say is they've been in therapy multiple times. And I, I, I totally understand people's hesitancy about getting back into therapy. If you see this, like a lot of times in larger community organizations, because they hire a lot of kids right out of school, it's their first job, so on and so forth. Um, it, you know, you tell your whole story and then you find out the next week your therapist left and you wait to be assigned another therapist and you tell your whole story again and they leave. And, and so it goes. And I completely respect and understand people's hesitancy. It's like, why do I want to tell my story again? Because you're eventually going to leave. And there's an assumption. I, I have all these degrees and certifications and diplomas on the wall in my office. And I tell people that just makes people think that I know what I'm talking about. Um, Cause ego is not my thing. And um, all of us, all of us have an ego, but there's a difference between having an ego and being egotistical. Um, so if you look at psychotherapy, independent of the modality, it is a relationship. It is generally a long-term relationship. Um, 
Are you going to talk about things? I mean, you have to, I remember in, you know, my training in cognitive therapy is vague goals lead to vague results. And, and, you know, the acronym of the SMART model goals should be simple, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time oriented. So if you don't have, uh, and it's really important if you, if you're already in psychotherapy, you know, you have every right to talk to your therapist about what you want to talk about. So I will, when I, if I'm seeing somebody, I tell them before I see you, give me a list of all the topics that you want to talk about, all the things that you want to address, all the things that you want to change, all the topics that you want to address, but you're not ready to, and all the topics that might be, um, you know, say like severe trauma and then people might not be ready to go there yet. So, uh, I see this a lot sometimes. Uh, somebody has a history of trauma and a lot of therapists, they go right there. And again, I'm, I'm connected to a great network of therapists who really know how to do therapy because it is an incredibly valid and important, uh, modality. And, you know, the research has shown throughout all of the psychiatric conditions, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychotropic medication in conjunction with each other is the most efficacious treatment regimen for any of the disorders in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So, um, you know, again, like I said, it's it, it, it's a, it's a relationship, but you do not have to be a, a passive recipient on a train and not feel like you have a voice. And you have a right to question your therapist. You have a right to direct. Um, you know, let me I'll go back to like the Freudian terms because these these do resonate even in cognitive therapy. So tr- transference is a patient's projection of something onto their therapist. Countertransference is what the therapist may project onto a patient. So that does play out. And, you know, again, not doing a lot of therapy, but, you know, having Julie, I think is very helpful because there, there's nothing anybody could tell me that I, I, haven't heard uh, even the darkest sides of, of humanity throughout my, you know, my education, my training, private practice, whatever. I think I'd only have that shock value. It's like you did that, you know, versus, you know, you kind of hear those stories, you know, and, and, and the most disturbing sides of, of human behavior. And I, and what I, what I come to believe is people are not inherently bad. People do things that may, be inappropriate or bad, but in general, people are not born into this world bad. Um, so, so psychotherapy is. Um, I, I think you know, prior to like the advent of, of of social media and technology and and various you know TV personalities talking about it, uh, demystified it because I think there was a lot of shame. So if I'm seeing somebody like maybe in their 50s or 60s and trying to get a, a, a you know, family history, I want to look for medical psychiatric history because some, some disorders are more heritable than others, like, uh, uh, or have a, what's called a herit- higher heritability index, like bipolar disorder, ADHD, schizophrenia. Um, you know, in, in the older generations, it's really hard because 
they didn't talk about it. There was a lot of shame associated with, with mental health. You hid crazy Uncle Harry in the closet. It was embarrassment. You know, the work of, you know, Bruno Bruno Bettelheim, uh, although all of his work was falsified, he had the term like the schizophrenogenic mother. Um, or, you know, Grandpa was an alcoholic. He would just, you know, spend hours at the bar after, after working in the factory all day. So, you know, I think we've evolved. It wasn't until 1954. There were, I think there were, there were only four diagnoses prior to that. We still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of growth to do. But I think the diagnostics, you know, manual is, you know, something that is incredibly important in my job because you have to meet the diagnostic criteria to be given a specific diagnosis. So, you know why this is relevant, I think, because in my neuropsych evals and in a lot of evals, they are designed to give therapists what to work on in in in, in therapy, what to, what to focus on. So the eval is able to generate things that you again, and I'm talking from personal experience. There's no way I would ever know the psychological constitution of a person. Julie's banging pots. Then um, uh, <clears throat> you threw me off track. Without knowing the psychological constitution of a person, if you just see on a week-to-week basis, without having the the the, the depth of data from uh, a neuropsych eval, it's it, it it's it's incredible. And in in my own work with the patients that I see who've I tested, I would never have known this stuff about them ever. And it's such again neuropsych testing or psych testing is such a crucial variable in 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 in, in working in, in in mental health. But back to like psychotherapy in a framework and in, in independent of you know whether uh, you're talking cognitive therapy, um, acceptance commitment therapy, motivational interviewing. Whatever the different modalities are, it is a relationship, and it should be a collaborative relationship. But it, it, but but therapy is also about work. It is not these. These are not like you know sessions to just go. Yeah, are there times when you when you, you somebody just needs to vent and gets things off their chest? Absolutely. But it is a process, and it has to have structure. It has to have a a, a, a finite goal. It has to have a, you know, I tell people, what do you want to work on? What's the goal for the first week? What's the goal for three weeks? What's the goal for the month? What's the goal for the year? What's the goal? You know, I always say, like, at the end of your last therapy session, and you you say, thanks, doc. We're done with therapy. I always ask people, you need to tell me what the end result is going to be like. And, And I use the metaphor of a GPS. What I think psychotherapy, how it should be conceptualized is the therapist is a GPS. You have to plot in a final destination. That's, that's your end result. And as we all know, using the world of, you know, from GPS, whether you're still using TomToms, you have one in your car, you're just using Google Maps, you, you, you plug the address in because that, that's where you want to go. But sometimes there are roadblocks and that is okay. But at, just like a GPS, I tell people, we will recalculate and go a different route. But I cannot and I will not drive the car. I will not work harder than you. And that is where the real work comes in. And I hold patients accountable. If you're going to complain about the same thing and you're not going to do any of the work, I have no interest. You're not ready. 
I've, I've mentioned this before. Um, there's one reason people change. It's, it's not because someone wants to. It's not because someone has to. It's not because a judge, a spouse, a partner, a sibling, a relative, a lover, a child is telling them to. People only change when they are uncomfortable. If you think about adjusting yourself in the chair, you move to a state of perceived discomfort, to a state of perceived comfort. So until somebody gets to a place psychologically, psychiatrically of saying, I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting this way, that is the necessary ingredient in any type of, of lasting change. But, you know, there are people, and you go back to the... Um, episode didn't help rejectors those are the people that either don't come into therapy or just come in and just whine and whine and whine and i think if therapists allow those people to continue to do it it's just reinforcing it part of part of psychotherapy is helping people having empathy but 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 also putting the responsibility back on people and homework is an essential part of therapy you have to be you have to be given things to work on and tangible goals and and I think I've said this in the borderline personality episodes, celebrating the partial victories, not being so not being if you're in therapy, not being so hard on yourself if you didn't achieve something but that you've at least attempted to. So if your therapist recommends, okay, I want you to journal over the next week and you don't have a journal and all you were able to do is go to Staples or whatever local store you're, that, that, that sells you know, stationery, if you, all you're able to do is just buy, buy the, the journal, that, to me, that's success. That's progress. That, 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 that's motivation. You know, because many people, I think, from a psychotherapy standpoint, I think there are people that are skill deficient. They they just don't have the skills. There are people that have the skills and they use them inappropriately. There are people that have the skills and they're not aware they have the skills. And there's people that don't even know if they do or they don't have the skills. Um, but, you know, you know, boundaries are also really important part of therapy. Um, again, it's a professional relationship. It is not a friendship. Doesn't mean you're going to, you know, is there a certain amount of self-disclosure that is, is, is relevant? Uh, and I can't tell you how many people have told me, and again, not from the group that I work with, which is a pretty extensive group, basically tell me, um, I'm kind of like her therapist. You know, she's telling me about her husband and his cheating and you know it's like okay that is you, you don't do that it doesn't mean you you know if, if you're a parent and you you have children and you can relate to a patient like you know like unfortunately losing both my parents and my father i understand death and grief from a totally different perspective and i'm it's something that you know i wish i didn't learn it that way i wish to god i did not learn it that way but i can take that 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 pain or that mess and turn it into my, my message. So when somebody tells me that they lost a parent or they're, you know, dying of cancer, I can connect with them at a different level. And I don't think that that's inappropriate because there's still a human side and, 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 and therapy or psychotherapy should not be this mechanical process. And, you know, other people, they, you know, they've said, you know, all they do is they look at their watch or they look at their clock. And, you know, in my therapy, what they do with people, cause it's so 
so few. I think it's five or six. If I run over an hour, which I generally do, um, because I'm, I'm very invested in the people I work with, they do the work and they know that that's the expectation that I have of them because that is a crucial part of therapy. It is not the work in the session. It is the work in between the sessions. And that's where life comes to us. That is where the pain comes. That's where the dis, the, the, the dysfunction exists. It just, it, it exists in the ether. It exists in the darkness. It exists in the nighttime. Because as you go into therapy, you're pulling off the veil. You're, you're pulling off the, the, you know, the, the, just the, you know, you may be sad or depressed, but now when you start talking about it, different things are going to come to, to light. Different things are going to come to, to, to the surface that maybe you have suppressed or repressed. Um, and, you know, be, be, be prepared for that. If, if, if therapy is easy, there's a problem. It should not be easy. It should be challenging. And you should be constantly questioning yourself because in, in from cognitive therapy, we you know the problem the, the technical term is we're doing cognitive restructuring, you know, changing the thought patterns, changing the belief systems. And this is where Julie and I are divergent because she with the dialectical behavioral therapy, there's so much focus on emotion. Uh and I tell people respectfully, I do not care about your feelings. Emotions are irrelevant, but I care as an empathic human being. I, I absolutely care, but I'm never going to ask you, how do you feel? I'm going to ask you, why did you think, what were you thinking before you did that? That, that that's, that's, that's the crucial part. So it's bringing more into a awareness. And I'm using the term conscious, not to, again, I said it before, there is no such thing as the unconscious. Things are more automatic. But this is like slowing down and saying, all right, let's take a look at this. But you have to have structure in psychotherapy. You have to have measurable goals. You have to have realistic goals. And you also have to have encouragement. You also have to have open dialogue with your therapist that you feel that you can say whatever. I mean, within reason, I mean, be, being appropriate, but, you know, if, 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 if you need to swear, you need to vent, you need to cry. Um, although I think I made three people cry this week doing neuropsych evals, just asking about their history. So which generally doesn't happen. So I realized I think I need to get tissues in the office because that generally doesn't happen. Um, but uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that can, you know, reduce the frequency severity and duration of symptoms it's a process that can uh cure you and i'm not talking about schizophrenia or or bipolar you know the the neurodevelopmental disorders the neurodegenerative disorders but you know things can be treated things can be cured and then there was a huge reason of you know uh one of the reasons of doing the podcast is to instill a sense of hope is to instill a sense that this there is a a a a field um, that is designed to give you health and peace. There is a there is a discipline, and I I think it's really important. And and I I tell patients this. I said you have every right to interview your therapist. Ask what their background is. Ask what their education. Julie, ask what their education is. Ask what their their theoretical orientation is. I mean, when I was in school, you I mean people say, well, you could never use eclectic. I mean, again, I had a very strong, I was trained in, you know, the different modalities, psychoanalysis, 
you know, DBT, rational motor therapy, but cognitive therapy was the foundation of my education. And I was very fortunate to be trained by the experts who were developing and in the field of cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, if you look, well, I'll talk about the amipamine trials, but that's more of an anecdote. Um, they came up with like the eight-session eight model with cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, where was I going with that? Oh. What's that? What do you mean? No, that's when cognitive behavioral therapy first came out. And they said it takes about, and this was, and amipoprene was the drug of choice at the time. So you kind of have this eight-week model of if after eight sessions you should start to see improvement. And the amipoprene people were like, wait a minute, what's this, this cognitive behavioral therapy stuff? They said it takes eight weeks for amipoprene to work. So... That's kind of how it's stuck that, you know, the eight week model of how you'll get like insurance reauthorizations, you know, to renew for X number of sessions. It goes back to the amipramine trials and, and the, the start of, of cognitive behavioral therapy with, with the work of Aaron Beck, who unfortunately uh, passed away recently. So, uh, interview your therapist, interview them. Um, what's your back? Again, it doesn't have to be, you know, confrontational, but you know, what's your background? What's your, you know, um, what's, what's your fee schedule? Do you do a sliding scale? Do you waive copays? Um, you know, what, you know, what's your training with whatever you think you might be dealing with? Hence, get the neuropsych eval so then you can have a much better idea of walking into it with, the, with definitive answers. And in definitive, I'm saying, you know, I'm going to give you a 60, 70, 80, 90 page, 150 page eval that lays out your symptoms in, in explicit detail where there are no loopholes whatsoever. Um, but, you know, like with Borderline, this is not, hey, I took a weekend course. Or, or you know, I had a course in my master's program. No, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way at all. So there are some disorders that require a, a specific level of a training, a specific level of education, a specific, a specific level of, of, of practical um training, whether that's through like uh, external internships or fellowships or residencies. Um so, you know, as a patient, I, I just want to, you know, kind of demystify, you know, psychotherapy, but also instill a sense of hope and, and, and empower people who are in therapy or, or who are hesitant to get into therapy because it can be incredibly liberating. But again, in, in, the, in the darkness, as you start to talk about your issues and you start to talk about things that maybe you don't want to talk about, or you start to get to some of the deeper things, whether that was a history of abuse, uh, toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships, substance abuse, whatever, in the darkness, the, it, it, it can be painful. And, and the irony is that's a good cross check that therapy is working. It, the goal is not to cause pain, but if you are feeling discomfort, that is you moving success, successfully through the process. But you need to have clearly defined goals, clearly defined objectives, and you have to be able to have implicit trust in your therapist. And they also be able to have to be able to have trust in you. And it, it it's an organic process, but it is a relationship that evolves over time. Um, again. It works. It it really does work. It it is it is not uh, the the spooky. Um, I don't know what the word would be. It's not a spooky experience. But but can it evoke things? Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's designed to do. But a good therapist knows when to push and when to pull back. A good therapist knows when to move on to this topic and when to, you know, pull back on that, on that topic. But again, um, I was grateful. I mean, I think it was, it was, it was worth it for all, all the podcasts we did to get those text messages from a few people like that after listening to myself and Julie, um, that they felt comfortable enough to get into therapy. It's like God, you know, like I said, our modest version of God's work, it, it makes it all the made everything we've said so far um, worthwhile. So until next time, um, uh, I will get in contact with you guys who um, are my phone, who I need to get back to. Feel free to reach out to me at Psychology Today. Uh, email me at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. Call or text me. Texting is always the fast way to get a hold of me. That's on the East Coast time in um, Massachusetts. So, hope everyone is well. Uh, Winter is coming. We'll be able to start bringing up topics about depression, seasonal affective disorder. Uh, Thank you guys for a lot of your suggestions about different topics, and we're going to eventually get to autism. Uh, Growing up with a parent with a personality disorder. Uh, more work, more stuff on trauma, more stuff on psychopharmacology. So the more you guys give us, uh, the better it is. We've got some few guests coming on um, in the upcoming weeks. So it, again, Sundays are really, um, uh, really enjoyable. Um, and, and hopefully we are making a small difference in uh, a very discombobulated, uh, disjointed, world that we're in right now um but i just wanted to give an opportunity to demystify psychotherapy that it, it can be incredibly powerful and it's all about transformation all right until next week take care of yourselves, guys uh take care of each other all right be well